0: Clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. He gives the increase. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. Amen. Good to see everyone today. What an honor for my wife, Heather, and I to be a part of this five-year celebration. A high honor in our year to be here. Brother and sister Ford, as you've already heard, dear friends. We love them so very much. And uh, to serve and that for me. I'm untethered. Glory! <laughs> awesome. Uh, I just have such an admiration for Brother and Sister Ford in this journey. Now, uh, my wife and I, we, we pastor a church. It's a strong church, a good church. And, and we felt about six years ago to plant another church. And so we were just maybe a year or so ahead of, of the Fords in planting a church. And I want you to know... So so in Appleton, we have a, a strong, awesome church, and there's a lot of work invested in that. But I'm going to tell you, this, this church planting thing is not for sissies. It is not for sissies. And uh, Heather and I have labored. We can't believe. Uh, the effort, the investment, the challenges, the ups, the downs, you know, that that little church plant, it's not as good as we think it is on any given Sunday. It's not as bad as we think it is on any given Sunday. I mean, we have been broken up. We've been tore up from the floor up. You know what I'm talking about? We've rejoiced in souls that have been added to the church. And so I say all of that to just salute Pastor and First Lady for their investments. Thank you for saying yes to West Hartford. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for five years of praying. Thank you for five years of preaching. Thank you for five years of coaching. Thank you for five years of crying. Thank you for five years of rejoicing. Thank you for five years of sermon preparation. And thank you for being sensitive to the Spirit of God. Amen. And to all the church family that is here today, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this story. Thank you to the tithe payers. People that don't just put 20s in the plate. The people who are saying, yes, pastor, I believe in you. And I believe in God's call. And I believe in giving. Thank you for being a true giver. Thank you for the tithe payers. And thank you for the people who have invested their talents and their treasure in the kingdom of God amen to all of the pastors who are here brother Petoskey God bless you so good to see you brother LaPierre it's so good to see you and uh, all the other pastors who are here today it's good to see you each and every one of you Uh, I'm absolutely delighted Uh, brother and sister Ford took us to New York yesterday I've been all over this world but I sort of avoided New York City Uh, just I wasn't quite sure what I would think about all that but we grazed New York through New York And now I get it. Now I understand. It's the food. That's why you need to go to New York. Yeah. Jason's pickles? Jacob's pickles? Okay. There's a reason right there to buy a plane ticket, fly from Appleton, Wisconsin, New York, just just to go eat at that place. Thank you for your hospitality, Uh, Brother and Sister Ford, your kindness. Unbelievable. The five-star hospitality. You have spoiled us rotten better than we deserve and we are humbled by that turn with me to John chapter 14 and verse 12 I want to bring a message forward I preached this one other time and it's just sort of been parked and I felt to bring it out tonight and I believe this is a word that God has for this congregation John chapter 14 and verse 12 verily verily I say unto you He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and what? Greater than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. I'm so very thankful for five years. I'm so very thankful that you're in this beautiful building. I'm so very thankful for the souls that have been added. But this isn't a time for us to have a cruise ship mentality. And say, you know what, we're just going to come for preaching now. And we're coming for the easy life. And we're coming, Just, just be our captain, pastor. No, no, no. Greater things are on the horizon for this church. And the church needs to say yes. Greater things shall... You do. God has something next for Lighthouse. Everybody say Lighthouse Lighthouse 2.0. This is not an iPhone one, okay? I don't know what it is. It's an iPhone something. It's an iPhone something, and the timer's on. So just feel good about that. But every time they bring a new iPhone out, it's it's the same product. It's just a better version. Lighthouse 2.0. We're going to be the same church, but we're going to be a better version of ourselves. God has something next for us. Come on now. What got you here isn't going to get you where you're supposed to go next. God has something greater. Yes, greater is all about what God is wanting to do next for you, for your ministry, for this congregation. And we have this promise of greater. There's a greater anointing, greater outpouring, greater dominion, greater power, greater disciple making, greater measures of the supernatural, greater authority. But there's a problem when a church or a group of people say yes to a God-given greater. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 32, I'm only going to read a portion of this passage Numbers chapter 13 and verse 32, the setting of this passage brings us to the Hebrew people standing at the border of the promised land. Is anybody familiar with this story? The Hebrews getting ready to go into the promised land. The promised land is their greater. Everybody say greater. Twelve spies have previewed the land. Just a few verses earlier, they confessed that the land lived up to the hype. It was everything God promised it would be. But sadly, we are about to read that 10 of the 12 spies do not see the land as their God-given greater. They see it as a threat. What God has next for this church, if we're not careful, we'll see it as a threat and not our greater. Let's read it. The Bible says, they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that what? Eateth up the inhabitants thereof. In the New King James, it says, it is a land that devours its inhabitants. Now, we're talking about this this place, is there greater, but they can't see that now. And they are seeing their greater as their enemy. Do you see this now? Something is causing them to concede their greater. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask in your precious and your holy name that you will help us through the preaching of your word. Help us right now, God, to say yes with our spirit. To accept, God, that the journey is not complete but just in process. I pray in your name that a spirit of faith would rise up in this house. I pray against every spirit of resistance. In Jesus' name, I bind every hindering spirit, and I loose understanding and revelation and faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. I'm preaching to you tonight the enemy of greater. Now, I begin tonight by asking you this question. What does your god-given greater look like i'm talking about you i'm not just talking about this church what does your greater look like what does your aaron soto 2.0 look like what does your edward ford 2.0 look like what's next for you what is god calling you to do i want you to sincerely reflect on this question Is your greater walking away from the comfort of your familiar place in ministry and answering the call of an unmet need in this congregation? Is your greater getting serious about being a disciple maker? Maybe you've never taught a Bible study, but there's a holy discontent inside of you. And you feel a need. I want to be an extension of the mercy of Jesus Christ. I want to be an ambassador. I've never won a soul, but 2018 fall, I'm going to be a disciple maker. Is that what your greater looks like? Is your greater releasing the supernatural? to operate in your ministry? Is your greater really leaning in to uh, prayer as you never have before? Pastor, is your greater walking away from that job and stepping into full-time ministry? Is your greater launching a daughter worker, kicking off a second Sunday service? Is your greater to go deeper in prayer and to create greater apostolic culture in your congregation? Is your greater reviving holiness and Holy Ghost preaching in your pulpit? Does your greater involve an extended fast? Is your greater breaking ground and building another facility to expand your church's footprint in the community? Is your greater grinding sacred cows into hamburger and leading your church into a season of reinvention and revival? What does your greater look like? A few years ago, I was in a season of prayer regarding our church apostolic truth church in appleton wisconsin and uh several years ago we were at this place where we were growing we had incremental growth but we weren't really a revival church we were a healthy church but we weren't a revival church uh no nothing to really write home about we weren't having services where people were shaking their heads and saying i can't explain what just happened tonight And so I was asking myself, what is it? It, There's some lid on our church, and I can't define it, and I can't describe it. So I started praying and seeking God and saying, Lord, what is it? What's holding our church back? Why aren't we a revival church? Why are we merely a good church? Why aren't we a great church? Now, to be honest with you, I was forecasting God's response, and I, I fully expected the Lord to say one of two things, maybe three things. I fully expected the Lord to say, you know what? The prince of the city has come against your church and you need to bind the prince of the city. I thought that that may be what the Lord would say to me. The second thing was, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe there's some carnal family in our church and they're undermining my leadership and I don't know about it. And and we need some divine subtraction to happen in our church. Or maybe the Lord was going to say, you know, there's a Vikings fan in your church, and I'm not going to bless you while the Vikings are being celebrated in your church. I don't know. I wasn't quite sure what it, what it all meant. But when the Lord spoke to me, it was astounding to me. Because the Lord spoke to me and showed me that the lid on our church, Apostolic Truth Church, was me. I was the lid on the church. I was the reason that our church was not a great church and merely a good church. I was the reason that we had a healthy church, but we were not a revival church. And the Lord confronted me and he said this to me. He said, I command the wind and the waves and they obey me. I command the devil and he flees from me. But when I command you, you tell me you're going to pray about it. And you are, you are trying to sanctify your disobedience. And when I tell you to do something, you don't do it, you just pray because you're afraid. And you're missing my deadlines. There's rhythm to revival into my spirit, and, and you're on the offbeat when I'm on the onbeat. And when you finally figure out how you're going to do. What I've already, what I've told you to do, when, once you've figured out how to do it, I've already moved on. Hmm. Yes. The Lord shared with me that he was the commander, but I wanted him to be the consultant. I was line item vetoing God because I didn't know how certain things were going to happen. I was the lid on the church. God's rebuke shell-shocked me. What a horror to realize. I was the invisible lid on Apostolic Truth Church, and I began to evaluate my life. I began to evaluate my ministry, and I knew that what the Lord had spoken was true. God wanted me to get out of the boat. He wanted me to get out of the boat. But what I was calling deliberation was disobedience. I was blowing his deadlines. Now, I tell you this story and some people say, why would you say that? You're the preacher. You know, you're supposed to have it all figured out. I I just put my slacks on one leg at a time like everybody else. And I'm going to tell you why I was the lid on our church. Are you ready? I was afraid. I was afraid. I had fear. I didn't, I didn't know how certain things were going to happen, and I was afraid, and, and, and fear. The spirit of fear sabotaged my ministry and our church. Consider this. Are you ready? The spirit of fear, or excuse me, the spirit of murder needs a hand. The spirit of gossip needs a mouth. The spirit of fear only needs you to press the pause button at a critical moment to sabotage your greater. It's more of a passive thing, but it's a destructive thing. When we wait, when God said, I don't want you to wait, I want you to act. When God says, I want you to speak, but you don't speak, and you say, well, Lord, I just need to pray about what you're telling me to say. And so fear only only requires us to just hit that pause button. I've come to understand that the enemy always has a spirit of fear patrolling the border of greater. What God has next for this church what God has next for you, your personal 2.0, your season of reinvention. The enemy is patrolling what is next for this church with a spirit of fear. And the spirit of fear will cause us to unconsciously concede our God-given greater and convince us that what God has for us is impossible. And worse yet, our enemy, a land that will devour us. The devil doesn't quit because you're in a new building. That's right. <laughs> the devil doesn't quit because there's a greater anointing on your life. Right. The devil doesn't quit because your attendance is beginning to grow. Okay, now. Right? That's right? New levels bring new devils. Yes. The devil's not playing. And more often than not, the devil will not destroy the church through rebellion. He will get it through fear. I don't know about you, but I'm not content just to see the testimonies on this screen. Oh, it was so beautiful. And it was so humbling to see the sacrifice and to see the work and the investment and all of the time and the energy to put this congregation together, to, to begin to integrate lives by the power of the Holy Ghost and to, to integrate this structure that you call your house of worship, sacrifice and work. But people, that, that, that little video clip right there is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Greater things shall you do. Greater things. In 1992, Gary Chapman wrote a book entitled The Five Love Languages. Anybody ever hear that book? If you haven't read the book, you need to read it. Dr. Chapman espouses that everyone expresses their love to others through their love language. He identifies five love languages, acts of service. In other words, if, when somebody does something for me practical, like cleans the bathroom, That's screaming love to me. Quality time. Some people interpret love that way. When you spend time with me, that's when I, you're screaming to me that you love me. Giving of gifts. Physical touch. Words of affirmation. Everybody has a different love language. He says there's five. I believe there's six. Food. That's my love language. You too. Okay. Okay. You want to tell me you love me? Make me a pie. You know, tears are coming down. Take me to that crazy donut place. Woo! What's the name of that place? Donut Plant. donut Plant. Wow. Love language. Dr. Chapman observes that every person has at least one of the, these love languages that are native to them. It's just, it's just the way that you interpret love. And he says that people are innately fluent. In a particular love language. I was raised with lots of, of physical touch. My parents hugged me, and, and, and we, we, we're just the hugginest family you've ever seen in your life. I'll still kiss my mom. I still kiss my mom. Absolutely. I'm sorry you feel that way, but that's how it is. I kiss my mom. And my mom, will, she'll still scratch my arm. And I love my mom, and I love physical touch. And, and so that's how I communicate love. It's just like, I love people. But when I married that lady over there, can I tell you something? I tried to scratch her arm one time. She's like, what are you doing? Don't, don't scratch my arm. I'm not a cat, you know. And I had to figure out what her love language was, acts of service. If I want to show my wife that I love her, I have to clean the floors at our house. And she looks at me and she's just so appreciative. And I'm just filling her love tank when I speak her love language. Now, now, so so we need to figure out the love language of, of the people around us and speak their love language. But but that's not what I'm preaching about. See, we all have a love language, but you also need to know that everyone has a fear language. Okay. There's a love language, but there is also a fear language. And the devil speaks in your Fear language. The enemy loves to torment you by speaking your fear language. There is the language of men and of angels, right? First Corinthians chapter 13 talks about the tongues of men and of angels. But there is also a tongue of the enemy. And that language is fear you have a fear language and I can tell you right now that that fear language is not native to you for God has not given you the spirit of fear. It was not there when the Lord formed you in the womb. You picked up this fear language somewhere along the way in your journey. Maybe you suffered abuse by authority. Maybe you were betrayed by someone close to you. And you survived the episode but an imprint of fear was left upon your spirit. Maybe the messed up family culture you were raised in placed a deep-seated insecurity in your life. Maybe there was a failure early in your ministry, and you feel like you can't recover your confidence. When you first came into the church, maybe you fell flat on your face in front of God and everybody else, and there's still this shame, that this shroud of shame that's on your life, and you just feel like nobody could believe in you, and that nobody respected you and and so the enemy is keenly aware of the fears that you have picked up along the way and the enemy knows your story and he knows where you are vulnerable and he strategically assaults your mind by speaking your fear language. He knows that unbridled fear erodes faith and without faith it is what? Impossible. Impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so that's why the enemy speaks your fear language to make it impossible for this church to go to their God-given greater. He knows that faith is the currency of the kingdom. It's how we possess God's promises. He knows that faith will unleash power and the magnitude and majesty of God's greaters upon this earth. The enemy knows that without faith, you cannot please God. So the enemy speaks your fear language to paralyze you right at the border of greater. Do you know why he's working so hard? Do you know why the devil doesn't want you to go to your greater? Do you understand He's going to have a very bad day if you go to your personal 2.0. He's going to have a very bad day if Lighthouse goes to Lighthouse 2.0. Oh, yes. God is going to be glorified, and the church is going to storm the gates of hell, and the, the power of hell will not be able to withstand the revival spirit that is in this church. Amen. Remember, the Bible says Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. But when he left, he left in the power of the Spirit. I don't know if I entirely understand all that, but all I can tell you is this. Jesus Christ went into his greater in his ministry. And prior to the wilderness, not one devil was cast out prior to the wilderness there was no miracle but after Jesus Christ went into his personal 2.0 into his greater there wasn't a safe devil in the county and blinded eyes were open and the deaf heard and the lame were leaping and Jesus Christ stepped into his greater when you find your greater there are going to be a lot of devils walking through dry places seeking rest and finding none amen That's why he speaks your fear language. Now let's be real. Can we be real for a moment? Can you command your strength for a moment? You need to hear what I'm saying. I've come a long way to preach to you tonight. So I need you to command your strength right now. I need you to hear what I'm saying. We all have a few areas where we are vulnerable to the spirit of fear. Fear. Every one of us. I'm not saying that everyone is under the power of fear. But everyone is vulnerable in some way to certain fears. We need to know ourselves. There is a fear of disappointing. When we fall prey to that fear of disappointing, we say yes to more things than we should. And our family and our relationship with God pays the price. There's the fear of failure. When we surrender to that fear, we avoid challenges and changes and opportunities that pastor presents to us that would grow us. But we are afraid of failing in our heart. We want to say yes, but the spirit of fear paralyzes us. There is a spirit of fear involved in our finances, and this fear paralyzes us when God calls us or the church to take a step of faith financially. It keeps us out of the realm of sacrificial giving. It keeps us from tithing. We're convinced that God cannot sustain us if we will faithfully tithe, and that spirit of fear keeps us from having blessed finances, and we are cursed in our finances. There is a fear of losing. When we succumb to this fear, we find ourselves seeing our brothers and our sisters as competing rather than completing. Okay. Amen. The spirit of fear causes us to be ambitious and it hijacks our purpose, and we become insecure when other people are promoted and we cannot celebrate it because we have a spirit on us. Jesus. There is a fear of authority. And this fear will cause us to distance ourselves from our pastor. We have a fear of authority. So we distance ourselves from leadership. And we have a spirit of independence from our spiritual authority. And as a result, there is no protection on our life. There's a fear of change. When we are under the spell of this fear, our highest priority is to get things back to normal. Number one priority, normal. Did you know that if you're going to be a revival church, there's no such thing as normal? Thing is normal. That's right. The only thing that's normal is change. Let's get back to normal. The spirit of fear says, I want, I want normal. The spirit of fear is a person who says, Pastor, what are you talking about? You're starting to cast vision that we need another campus. We just finished this thing. We just gave to this thing. I just want to be comfortable, and I just want this to be normal for a while. Getting quiet in here. I'm just trying to tell you that there's something greater than where we are. There's something greater than what we have, and God wants to impart and plant this in our spirit, but there is a fear that will hinder us. There's the fear of transition. Transition. And sometimes we overstay and delay at the expense of God's timing and purpose. There's the fear of rejection, and this fear will cause us to avoid the issues that should be addressed in our lives. Reflection time. Are you ready? Where are you vulnerable to the spirit of fear? I want you to reflect right now, and I want you to ask yourself that question Where are you vulnerable to the spirit of fear? Do you know the fear language the enemy is trying to use against you? I would rather confront my fears and defeat them. I would rather be honest about my fears. I would rather be honest about where I am vulnerable than to pretend as though I have no chinks in the armor and be oblivious to the work of the enemy in my life brothers and sisters your enemy is fear your enemy is not the economy your enemy is not your brother or your sister your enemy is not false doctrine in this town your enemy is not your pastor your enemy is fear fear is the enemy of your God given greater yes I don't want fear in my life. No, sir. The Bible tells me in 1 John that fear hath torment. What I have fear, when I have fear, my mind does not function as a whole. Have you ever had the spirit of fear on you? I have. Oh, yeah. I've had the spirit of fear in me and I can't think. I cannot think. Did you know that worrying is to have a divided mind? Did you know that literally the meaning of the word worry is that your mind is not functioning as a whole? Have you ever been driving behind somebody whose mind was not functioning as a whole? When you have the spirit of fear, you don't preach like you need to preach. You don't parent like you should parent. You don't pray like you should pray. When you have the spirit of fear, Lord, let me just ask you this question. Can I just ask you this question? If God answered all the prayers that you prayed this week, if God answered every prayer that you prayed this week, would, would those prayers change the world or would it just give you an easier life and would you just have blessed food? When we have the spirit of fear, we don't pray like we should. Protect me, Lord. Protect my children. And prote- we're praying for protection, but we're not praying for revival. We're praying for our finances, but we're not praying for the homeless that God will give us a revival in this city. All of a sudden, the spirit of fear begins to shrink our prayers and our expectation for our lives. Oh, Jesus, help me. When I have fear, I become abusive as a leader. When I have fear, I become distrusting of my brothers and sisters. When I have fear, I mismanage the Davids, the future all stars in my life. When I have fear, I fixate on the storm rather than the one who is walking in the storm with me. When I have fear, I do the devil's dirty work. He can take a vacation. I become an accuser of the brethren because I have a spirit of fear. With fear, I kill my own dreams. I kill my own calling. I devastate my own life, and my fear is contagious. My fear can keep others away from their greater as well. I will never have the greater moves of God and the greater miracles without first defeating the voice of fear in my life. I don't have time to preach it. But every big win in the Bible is also a memorial of a spirit of fear that was destroyed. Whether it's Goliath who fell, there was a spirit of fear that attacked David before he faced Goliath. There was a spirit of fear that, that plagued the children of Israel before they walked around Jericho. Every great win in the Bible is a monument to the destruction of the spirit of fear. Hallelujah. So you just study that out. In Numbers chapter 13 and verse 2. This verse tells us the day when the spirit of fear won. Send me, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. Everybody say leaders. leaders. If you're a note taker, I want you to write this down. Note takers, write this down. Leaders are the gatekeepers to God-given graders. Leaders are gatekeepers to God-given graders. Leaders go first. Leaders go first. Leaders explore what God wants to do next with his people. Leaders were sent into the land God was promising to give to his people. In fact, the, the moment is so significant. Verses 4 through 14 of Numbers chapter 13 itemizes the name of every leader who was part of that coalition. But we only remember two of those names. That's right. Can anybody tell me who two of those names are? Of the spies that were sent into the promised land, anybody remember their names? Somebody help me now. Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. We would be hard-pressed, even though all the names of the 12 are itemized in the scriptures, we would be hard-pressed to know the other 10 names. We only remember the name of the two. Can I tell you that your name is known and your name is being declared in the spirit realm? What are we going to be known for? Are we going to be known for the people who could have or should have? Are we going to be known as the people who were underachievers like Samson, the spirit of the Lord moved upon us at times? Occasionally we were effective. Sporadically we were anointed. Or are we going to be like Joshua and Caleb who had another spirit? They did not have the spirit of fear. They had a spirit of faith on their life. This coalition of leaders tiptoes into Canaan through the south. They climb a mountain to survey the land. It's crazy. They can't believe what they're saying. It's like me in New York. I'm telling you, I couldn't believe what I was looking at in New York. And they're in this promised land. They have their cell phones out, you know. They have, they're taking selfies with big old bunches of grapes like, Check this out. This is crazy. They take the evidence that this is truly the land flowing with milk and honey. They take it back to the people of God. They have Walmart bags just full of pomegranates and figs and they are absolutely convinced this is, we are at the right location. The evidence is leading to one conclusion. They have the right address to their greater. But our leaders, rather than being excited, something hijacks the journey. The spirit of fear tells them, causes them to say, oh, this isn't what we should should be doing. Uh, This place isn't good. This place is our enemy. We don't want to go here. How does this spirit of fear happen in our lives? It's when we fixate on the wrong things. Write that down, note takers. We hijack our purpose when we fixate on the wrong things. The enemy hijacks our purpose when we fixate on the wrong things. What does Psalm 34 and 3 tell us? It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Who are we supposed to magnify? The Lord. We're supposed to magnify the Lord. But what do we do? We magnify our fears. Everybody say magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord with me. I remember the first time I used uh, a microscope. It was a very sophisticated object back then. When you're in the second or third grade and you have access to a microscope, that's big stuff we took the the first part of the day to draw pictures of our microscope and we learned about the lens and we learned about the slide and and we learned about the clips where you you slide uh, slide that little piece of glass into and we learned about everything and then the afternoon, the teacher said, all right, we're gonna look at amoebas. We're gonna look at creatures, living organisms after recess. I was so excited. I was so excited. I'm gonna be looking at, I didn't know what an amoeba was. But I was going to look at amoebas. And that teacher, she put a little drop of water on all of our slides. I was so disappointed. I fully expected I would be able to see these creatures. But through the power of magnification, right? Through the power of magnification, I saw something I didn't see before. I saw these little amoebas. These little things were swimming in a drop of water. And we got to draw pictures of our amoebas. It was the most incredible day. I didn't know there was such a world, such an incredible world. Our teacher made a horrible mistake, though, when she said, all right, I'm going to hand out tissue papers, and we're going to wipe our slides clean, and we need to start with with the next subject of the class. And we were protected. This is my amoeba. He's my friend. I've given him a name. What are you talking about? This is going to be horrible. You're telling me to kill these beautiful amoeba. I have a whole herd here. I was going to start my own amoeba ranch. I mean, I was going to do something with this. And, and we, we, were just, we were just mortified that she would tell us to wipe the slide clean and kill the amoeba. She had a hard time convincing us that that was what we were supposed to do. Magnification caused me to see something that I didn't see before. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. When I magnify the Lord, I'm not changing who He is. I'm just taking a closer look. I'm trying to tell you don't obsess over your finances. Don't obsess over why it's impossible, why we would get into another building or why we can't have revival. Somebody just needs to magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Don't allow the spirit of fear to hijack you, Jesus, your, your faith. God. Magnify yes. the Lord. All right? All right? So when pastor begins to unpack what's next for Lighthouse, I don't know what he's going to say. I don't, have the I don't know everything that he has, what's rolling around in his spirit right now, but I believe that what he, God's going to put in his spirit is bigger than you are. And it's bigger than he is. Whatever God's, whatever's rolling around in his spirit, you don't have the finances for it. You don't have the talent for it. You don't have enough volunteers to do it. How do you know, Brother Soto? How do you know? Well, because if you could do it, it wouldn't require faith. Whatever God's asking us to do is in the realm of faith. It's bigger than we are. And that's why we need to magnify the Lord and say, oh, with God, all things are possible. Yeah, these guys fixated on the wrong thing. Yes. In case you're wondering, I have been preaching for 32 minutes. I've been speaking for 40 minutes because I have seven minutes of preliminaries. All right. Just so you know, this is where we're at. And I'm not going to preach a whole lot longer, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to give you 411. I'm so thankful for the Holy Ghost. It's our intelligence system. And there's a word being preached to this congregation that you're going to need for your preferred future. You better put this in your filing cabinet because God has something greater for you. And I'm telling you, the spirit of fear is going to try to rob this church. The spirit of fear is going to try to shut this church down. And we're going to have to really think about it before we speak after pastor begins to communicate what's in his spirit and what's next for lighthouse we better be careful how we respond we better be careful about what we say and that we don't allow our contagious fear to cause this church to be parking lotted when we were supposed to on ramp to our future help us Jesus mission impossible that was the conclusion. Mission impossible if the land is too great, the enemy's too big. They fixated on the wrong thing. They forgot their God who put them, oh, he got them out of Egypt. He carried them through the Dead Sea. He carried them through the Red Sea. He carried them through the wilderness. He fed them. He put clothing on their back. He preserved their clothing. But they couldn't believe for the power of God to bring them to that ultimate place of purpose. Help us, Jesus. And guess what happens? Pastors, hear me now. Fear started on a leadership level. Fear started on a leadership level. For better or for worse, pastors, leaders, you are visioneers. For better or for worse, you are visioneers. And these 12 spies or these 10 spies cast vision. Only it didn't involve faith. It involved fear. They were vision casters. And they said, exhibit A, this is why we cannot possess the land. And they led, they got together and gained a quorum and elected to do the wrong thing. And I'm just telling you straight up, I've seen church, this happen to churches. Where there were, there were, the voice of leadership said, you know what, we, we need to go this route. And it was God's will. But there were other leaders who said, oh, well, there's no way in the world we can do that. And the church gained a quorum and elects to do the wrong thing because the spirit of fear. And certain leaders and influential voices cast vision without faith. Leadership fear becomes community fear. That's why we have to be careful about what we say. That's why we better have heard from God when we open our mouths. Don't you stand behind the pulpit and preach your fear. You preach what thus saith yes. the Lord. Yes. Yes. Because community fear is going to stop the purpose and plan of God for his people. I want to take up residence. Everybody say take up residence. residence. I want to take up residence in my God-given greater. Well, I I want the musicians to come. I, I want them to come. I have a few more things I want to say. The devil speaks your fear language, but God is speaking your love language. You have enough evidence, Lighthouse, to know that God can do the impossible. Yes, sir. Planting a church in West Hartford and what God has done in five years' time. Yes, there were ups and there were downs. There was an ebb and a flow, but the net gain was an apostolic church and an apostolic witness. And you have the evidence that God supplies God sustains God speaks and God is speaking your love language and you know what he's saying to you lighthouse he's saying I will never leave you I won't forsake you he's saying it's not by your might or power but it's by my spirit no weapon formed against you shall prosper Isaiah 41 and 10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. God's love language is saying, Fear not. My brother, who was leading the service, you brought a verse forward. And one of the first things that you said in that verse was, Don't fear. And that's when I knew I had the word. Don't be afraid. Mary, don't be afraid. You're about to see the miracle, but if you're afraid, you're going to run away from the miracle. Don't fear. Finish your story, people. Finish this lighthouse story. Finish strong. And know that greater things are on the horizon. Would you stand with me? Tomorrow and the next day, you're going to have to decide which frequency you're going to tune into. Are you going to tune into the frequency of fear? Or are you going to tune into the frequency of faith? Are you going to magnify your problems and your troubles? Or are you going to magnify the Lord who has spoken the word? What does your personal 2.0 look like? What does God want to do next? Do you have vision about what's next for you? Do you have faith that God can do something extraordinary with your life? Lord Jesus, I'm so very thankful that you have promised land soil waiting for this congregation and for the churches that are represented here, for the pastors who are here. Oh, yes, greater things shall we do. That's the prophetic word being spoken to this church and to these people right now. Help us to understand that spirit of fear is going to meet us. Help us, God, to have faith and not fear. To remember who it is that we serve in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is what I would like for us to do. It's a five-year anniversary. This is a once in a lifetime experience. And I don't think we should just have any old altar call. I think that we need to have agreement. I think we need to have a quorum in this place. Yes? Do we have a quorum? Do we have enough people to just say yes? I want Pastor and Sister Ford to come. And I want you to stand right here in front of this pulpit. I want the congregation of Lighthouse to come and stand behind. Your pastor and your first lady. Behind them, I want all of our friends, our guests, pastors, I want you to join me on the platform. If you're a pastor, please join me on the platform. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I want us to take a moment. I'm going to direct this prayer moment. I want us to take a moment and thank the Lord because greater is there. It's there. The promised land soil, God has a plan, and it's greater than where you've been and what you've done. Can we thank the Lord? Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for the greater. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we honor you. We praise you. Lord, you have already demonstrated your power. You have already demonstrated that you are mighty. Oh, we have evidence, Lord, that you are faithful. And we live in a prophetic proportion revival age. And we believe greater things, Lord, shall be done. And we thank you, Lord, that there are souls who are members of Lighthouse and they don't even know it yet. We thank you, Lord, for the multitudes, the masses, who are going to hear this apostolic message and be born again of the water and of the Spirit? We thank you, Lord, for our future campus. We thank you for our future home. We thank you, Lord, for the provision that is waiting for us as we step out of this boat and we step onto the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, though the, the vision tarry, it shall come to pass. We thank you for it, God. Blessed be your name In the name of Jesus If you would help me now Pastors if you would help me If you would lay hands On brother and sister Ford right now We're going to take authority Over the spirit of fear That wants to attack their mind and their spirit Church, family I want you to extend your hands forward right now We're going to plead the blood of Jesus This is the carrier of the vision And God is going to use this man And he's going to speak through this man In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this vessel. We thank you for brother and sister Ford. We thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost that has worked through their lives to burn the church. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over the spirit of fear that would come against their mind, come against their home, come against their lives in the name of Jesus Christ. We render that spirit of fear powerless. In Jesus' name, smite it, Lord, Break it Lord in Jesus name we pray for a spirit of fear to, of faith to rise up Lord in their heart and their mind help them Jesus to know what thus saith the Lord in Jesus name in Jesus name use them for your glory hallelujah oh we praise you Jesus oh we praise you Jesus In Jesus' name.